You're listening to Homestay, the podcast for and by Yaleys from all walks of life and all over the world. Join us every episode where we are invited into the virtual home of a Yale University alum to listen in on their stories from campus life until now. From undergraduate traditions to becoming the founder of one's own company. Ready or not, hang on tight because we're in for a wild ride. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in. If you are new around here, we welcome you to Homestay. And if you are an old friend, we are so, so happy to have you back. We are your hosts, Wenlong Yang and Julia Hunter Glefka. On today's podcast, we are very lucky to have Angela Choi with us to speak a little bit about her story and have a conversation with us about her time at Yale and her path from campus to now. Angela Choi, Branford Class of 2012, is an international life purpose and career coach. She helps driven professionals who feel stuck and unfulfilled to discover their purpose so they can have both the impact and income that they want. Her coaching stems from experiences and lessons learned over 10 years of finding her purpose in the corporate, startup, and nonprofit worlds in the U.S., Africa, Asia, and Europe, all while dealing with self-judgment, familial pressure, and societal expectations. She offers a free guide called Six Steps to Living Your Purpose, which can be found on her website at www.angelachoi.co, with Choi spelled C-H-O-I. Angela, thanks for joining us today. Thank you both for having me. Home is a place for sharing stories, and in this podcast, we listen to the experiences of our alums. Why don't we start with an icebreaker to warm up the room? Oh, I have an idea. What about our favorite childhood TV shows? Julia, why don't you start us off? Sure, I guess. I loved watching Shaun the Sheep, and I still watch an episode once in a while for old time's sake. It's mainly just claymation sheep and their adventures on the farm and sometimes in town. Even though there is very little, very little, if any, dialogue, the show has a sense of realistic wonder that is so captivating. Interesting. I've actually never seen that show. But maybe I'll watch an episode or two just to procrastinate on writing my psych paper. (laughs) Personally, my all-time favorite has to be SpongeBob SquarePants. I've also been told by a few friends that my personality resembles SpongeBob quite a bit. Oh my goodness, Wenlong. I totally see it. (laughs) Well, I hope that's a good thing. Angela, what about you? What is your favorite childhood TV show? I would have to say that my favorite childhood TV show is the the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Melissa Joan Hart. So there have been a couple of varieties, but the one from the 90s. Oh, that sounds so good. The reason we asked this question as our icebreaker is because the topic for today's episode is defining success. And the listeners listening in on the podcast, you may very well be wondering how cartoons have anything to do with success. Well, let me explain. In SpongeBob, there is a character named Mr. Krabs. And just in case some of our listeners are unfamiliar with the show, Mr. Krabs is quite literally a crab who owns a fast food monopoly in the show's underwater city. And you may have guessed it, Mr. Krabs defines success as having lots and lots of money. One can even say boatloads of money. Wink, wink. (laughs) Julia, I see what you did there. That being said, 
Angela, what are your thoughts on Mr. Krabs's definition of success? So I guess the first thing that I want to say is that Mr. Krabs and my parents would probably be really good friends and that 18-year-old Angela probably would have agreed with Mr. Krabs because I was going to a good school. I was going to make good money. And so that was my very narrow and limited definition of success. I will say that, you know, a lot has changed since then. And I would say that present day me very much disagrees with Mr. Krabs. I think that, you know, there was a point in my life working in the corporate world where I made a lot of money, but I wasn't happy. And I think that success is, well, the definition of success is one that is very personal. I think that if someone values abundance and wealth and having money, then they can define success that way. So I think it's really about defining success on your own terms. And for me, I think a big part of living a successful life is leading a happy one. Yeah. I mean, often we hear that money can't bring happiness and it seems particularly relevant to your experience as well. Can you speak to where your unhappiness in the corporate field came from? Yeah, so I think that when I was in the corporate world, that was my first job out of college. And I will say that that experience was a little jarring for me in the sense that when I was at Yale, intellectual curiosity was very much encouraged and we could take classes and seminars based on what we were interested in purely for learning's sake and to absorb information and to be with people who cared about the same things. And so when I entered the real world and all of a sudden I was doing the same things day in, day out, not really knowing or understanding the impact of my work, it was very disorienting to wonder like, oh, is there something more to this? And to think about how I went from a place where I was learning all the time and every day there was something new to experience to being at a point where every day was the same and I was wondering if there was something more. And so that's where my unhappiness stemmed from, just wondering, oh, if I were to climb the corporate ladder, is this what it's always going to be like? and really questioning what it is that I wanted my life to look like. Angela, this makes me curious about how your definition of success has changed over the years. Specifically, what was your definition of success before Yale, your definition of it during Yale, and finally, your definition of success after Yale? So... Before Yale and during Yale, I'd say that my definitions of success were rather narrow. So I'd definitely say that prior to coming to Yale, you know, coming from a low income Chinese immigrant family, I was taught that education was the way out. So my definition of success was to go to a quote unquote good school, right? And then When I got to Yale, I would say that my definition of success was a continuation of my definition of success pre-Yale, which was, okay, continue getting 
good grades so that I can have the possibility of going on to a good grad school and also so that I could go out and get a quote unquote good job and make quote unquote good money. I actually have a question for you, Angela. So your comment on a Yelly's definition of success reminds me of something that my upperclassmen friends, as well as some of my peers have told me in the past. They would say that your grades don't matter in the sense that you have the quote unquote brand of Yale on your side when you're looking for a job in the professional world. Do you mind to speak a little bit in that regard? Yeah, so I think that it depends on the situation. So, you know, when I did on-campus recruiting at Yale and companies like Bain, McKinsey, BCG, they would come on campus because you are competing with your peers for a limited number of positions. I do think that in that case, your GPA and your major does play a role because it provides frame of reference for them, right? When they're just recruiting at one school. I do think that outside of the recruiting context, if you're applying for a job and people see Yale on a resume, I think that there is positive bias and that people will think, oh, this person is smart, this person is capable. And I also, you've probably already heard of this, but sometimes, you know, if you have someone who's, let's say, biomedical engineering major with a slightly lower GPA, that's still going to weigh more because people take into consideration that biomedical engineering is not the easiest major. So I do think that there are different factors in play depending on the context um, in which you're applying for a job. So that's what I will say about that. And then going back to your original question of success and how I define success now, I will say that my definition of success has evolved a lot since my time at Yale and it's expanded. And I've recognized that success really means getting clear on what matters to me and what my values are and living accordingly. So I've gotten to a point in my life where I feel like success means living happily, living a happy life, doing the things that make us happy, and really enjoying life moment to moment. I think that especially, I mean, pre-Yale, during Yale, I was a very stressed out individual because I was so results focused. And in the last couple of years, I realized that it's so important to be happy in the now versus thinking that I'm going to be happy when this happens, or I'm going to be happy when that happens, right? And so I think a really good example of this is when I, at one of my jobs, I was not happy, and I wasn't really sure what it is that I wanted to do next. I didn't feel like it made sense for me to jump into the next job because I didn't really know what that would look like. I just knew that I wasn't happy at work. And so what I did was I just made a decision to leave that job so that I could take the time to figure out what it is that I wanted to do next because what was wasn't working for me. Do you have any stories or anecdotes you can share from your sabbatical? I know sometimes sabbaticals are like 
super taboo like oh people taking a year off to explore like oh wow like that's such a foreign concept to some people including myself so do you have any stories you could share yeah i i do have a lot of stories i just wanted to comment on sabbaticals for a moment i think that if anything they were more taboo when i was a student i do think that since my time sabbaticals have become more mainstream and i'm so happy to see this because i think that it's really important and empowering to take a sabbatical because i think it can really inform us of what we like what we don't like and how we would like to proceed and i really encourage anyone you know if they're thinking about taking a sabbatical to do so and there are many opportunities for people to do this whether that's before college during college after college before grad school during grad school in between jobs whenever it may be in your life it may even be you know you're halfway through your career and you need to take some time off or want to take some time off whenever it may be and whenever it feels right to you i would really encourage people to take that opportunity because it really adds perspective to our lives. And I think that's really important, especially if we're accustomed to just like day in, day out, doing the same things. I think seeing the world doing different things, trying new things really informs us of what matters to us. It just goes back to what I mentioned before, getting clear on what matters to us. So that's what I will say about sabbaticals. And then in terms of stories, so yeah, when I left my job, I was really scared to leave my job because of, I think just like the stability of having a full-time job, you know, like having a steady paycheck, having an answer to the question of like, so what do you do? And in New York City, that's a very common question, but in letting go of that stability and just facing my fear and quitting my job, it opened up a whole new world for me essentially. And during that year, during my sabbatical, I did a bunch of different things, including leading trips for adults with developmental disabilities, working as a writer and photographer on a cruise ship that sailed around Southeast Asia and Oceania. I also worked as an agribusiness consultant in Zimbabwe. I took my grandmother on a three-week vacation across China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. And it was just, it was one of the most wonderful years of my life. Angela, I imagine it would be quite the dream to work on a cruise ship. Now that I think about it, it's like being a flight attendant since you're traveling the world, but much better than that in the sense that you were quite literally in a floating resort slash five-star hotel, as opposed to a plane, which I would argue is just a glorified flying train, except you have a lot less leg room and a lot more turbulence. I think it's all relative. I think that, you know, working on a cruise ship definitely had its own fair of fair share of challenges. Yeah, I mean, so if you you have I don't think you've been on a cruise ship, but there's a thing called rolling and pitching when the cruise ship basically rocks from one side to the other causing motion sickness. And that's really hard when, that was really hard when I was trying to take photographs and I was like on the floor and trying to get different angles. But overall, it was an amazing experience because I got to see, learn and experience so much. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about before when at Yale, I just had so many opportunities to learn. And this felt like, 
Yale, but even on a greater scale to be able to see the world and understand the social, environmental, political issues of the regions that we visited because I worked for like the nonprofit arm of this cruise ship. So I got to really familiarize myself with issues in the different uh, countries and, and regions. And I also just remember the little moments that I, I talked about before, like the, it's the little moments that bring happiness to our lives, right? So there are times when there was this one time where they shut off all the lights on the cruise ship so that we could stargaze that night, right? And it was just so magical to lay down on the deck of the cruise ship and to stargaze. I mean, how many people can do that, right? And when we crossed the equator, we had a little celebration and those are the moments that I hold on to. And those are the moments that I'm going to remember when I look back on my 20s. Angela, hearing all of these beautiful stories of you traveling the world and adventuring with your grandma makes my heart feel so, so full and so, so warm. Fun fact, I've actually never been on a cruise ship before, but the image of stargazing in the middle of the ocean sounds so, so magical. You all have no idea how tempted I am to purchase a cruise ticket at this exact moment. Okay, maybe not at this exact moment, given that we are still in the middle of a pandemic, but I am most definitely adding this to my list of things to do before I die. Oh, speaking of bucket list activities, I've learned through so much through listening today, and I've you know been inspired to rethink some of my own priorities. You know, not even just the pandemic; like it's very inspiring to hear someone share your story, like of being you know not okay with everything that's happening in their lives and doing something about it. Angela, before we say our goodbyes in the last five minutes that we have, the final question Wenlong and I have for you today is, what is one piece of advice you would give to the Yaleys who are currently listening in on this interview? I guess, there are a couple of things I would like to say. So I know what it feels like to go through the internship and job search process. Sometimes it feels like it's forever and it's never ending. And so the first thing I wanna say is that anytime that you get a no, just think of it as N-O, next opportunity and trust that there's something better out there for you, right? I think. I really want to remind people of that because I think that as Yalies, we're so accustomed to succeeding and I think rejections can be hard to handle at times. So just remember that NO means next opportunity. The other thing that I want to say is that, you know, just like how you ended up at Yale, you're going to end up where you're supposed to be. And it's hard to see it when you're in the process of applying to things, but it's about trusting, trusting that, again, things will work out in your favor. And sometimes it's easier to say, but I think if you look back on your own life, you'll see that like the things that happened led you to where you are today and just trust that things that are happening now will lead you to where you're meant to be and that wherever you're meant to be, you're going to thrive because you've always been thriving. So that's 
the second thing I want to say, I know you asked for one thing, but the third thing that I want to say is to listen to your heart and to go after the things that make you happy that, you know, as Marie Kondo would say, spark joy. And sometimes I feel like maybe that's easier said than done because I recognize that there are expectations and external pressures that come with being a Yale student and a Yale grad. And sometimes it's hard or challenging to tap into our hearts to understand what it is that we truly want. So I'd also encourage people if they haven't already, but this is a big thing now to build a mindfulness practice so that they can be in tune with themselves and their inner voice of wisdom that always knows what it wants. It's just that sometimes the external voices cloud, cloud out our inner voice. So those are the three things that I'd like to share. Angela, as Yale students ourselves who are currently on the job hunt and about to venture into the real world ourselves, whatever the real world may be, we will definitely be sure to keep that in mind. Thank you so, so much for inviting us into your quote-unquote virtual home and telling us a little bit about your story. That being said, if our listeners would like to further connect with you, Angela, where can they find you? Yeah, if visitors, students, alums, if you're interested in connecting, feel free to visit my website, angelochoi.co, and there's a contact form where you can reach out, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. I love hearing from people, so if you have any questions or thoughts about anything that we discussed today, I am more than happy to hear from you. Wow, thanks so much, Angela. Thank you guys for having me. It's been so much fun. Finally, to our listeners, in a typical year, we would say thank you for coming out to the Rose Alumni House. But for now, we'll say thank you for staying home and for joining us today on Homestay, the podcast for and by Yaleys from all walks of life and all over the world. And we look forward to having you join us on our next.